0: Section 7 of Arthur Wing Pinero, Playwright. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Campbell Shelp. Arthur Wing Pinero, Playwright. A Study by Hamilton Fife. Section 7 Nationality in Drama the digression into which the princess and the butterfly has carried me leads up i find to a branch of my subject in which i must plead guilty to being greatly interested and with which i may as well now deal this is the extent generally to which nationality can be embodied and revealed in dramatic art and the extent in particular to which mr pineros has been essentially english in character the point which i have reached in the consideration of mr pinero's plays is sufficiently appropriate for this discussion i have just spoken of the hobby-horse and lady bountiful of the second mrs tanqueray and the benefit of the doubt i am just about to speak these plays are the four out of all mr pinero's work which to my mind really are distinctively english in tone and feeling the people to whom they introduce us are the kind of people who form the mass of the middle class of the nation they could not belong to any nation but the english nation you are in no danger of thinking that the pieces have been adopted from the french or the german or the norwegian or the japanese they are contributions therefore in a real sense towards a national modern english drama such a drama as we shall only possess in full measure when our vast society or a sufficient section of it is united in a common view of life and in common ideals capable of serving as a basis for it it is very important that we should understand what are the qualities and plays which go to make up a national drama because if ever we are to have such a form of art flourishing amongst us again we must be on the lookout for its earliest manufactures and be ready to encourage them with an intelligent sympathy now When we English people speak of our national drama, we mean nine in ten of us, the drama of the Elizabethan poets. That is the only dramatic literature we have had which fully expressed the character and the ideas and the aspirations of the English race. You often hear it asked and wonder why the theatre was in Shakespeare's day the constant popular resort of all classes, and why it has never enjoyed anything like the same popularity since. The reason is clear the elizabethan dramatists were closely in touch with national sentiment they bodied forth in stirring language they interpreted by means of rich imagery the thoughts and feelings that were in the mind and breast of every englishman the court gallant and the careful tradesman and the ruffling prentice took an equal delight in these dramas though possibly in different aspects of them each knew that the plays expressed what he himself and everybody else felt but could not put into words the rough mob of the pit inspired as it felt the vigorous life the rapid transitions the passionate energy the reality the life-like medley and confusion the racy dialogue the chat the wit the pathos the sublimity the rant and buffoonery the coarse horrors and vulgar blood the immense range over all classes of society the intimacy with the foulest as well as the fairest developments of human temper which characterized the english stage j r green history of the english people thus the sense of sympathy grew to be an active principle of life all classes of the community were brought closer together by the theatre the theatre was one of the main arteries of national life since then we have had a drama of the town the plays of the late seventeenth and the eighteenth centuries stretching from etheridge and sedley down to goldsmith and sheridan a drama which expressed merely a phase of society and appealed only to a small class the solid elements of english life no longer frequented the theatre it was no longer a national institution it had ceased to be a national institution not so much because of the puritanical dislike and distrust of art in any shape as for these reasons that a national sentiment with power upon the whole race no longer existed that the break-up of the elizabethan social system ordered and planetary in functions and degrees as the angelic hierarchy of the aropagite had plunged all but frivolous or philosophic minds into the all-absorbing tussle with religious and political problems that the writers for the stage appealed to the frivolous alone and only recognized the existence of the rest by an occasional sneer or gibe i think it is possible that if a group of dramatists had set themselves to deal seriously with noble themes and to carry on the traditions of the elizabethan stage before its decline they would have won back the nation to the theatre but no such dramatists were found, and the mass of the nation, deprived of the emotional and imaginative stimulus of the play, found substitutes for it in the theatrical preaching of Whitefield and the fervent sweetness of Charles Wesley's hymns. The Puritans had tried to stamp out of the English race its capacity for emotion, and had completely failed. They had, it is true, hindered sorely the development of the art of England, we feel the hindrance sorely to this day. But they had only succeeded in turning emotion into another channel. The stern intellectuality, the chill repression of the Puritan faith, could never keep a hold upon the English race. Persuaded that emotion called forth by art was immoral, the nation surrendered its ideals and grovelled for a period in a slough of grossness and scepticism. From that slough it only escaped by making religion emotional and finding in it the solace it had once derived from drama, the one art which had gained a really national influence. All that was best in England answered to the call, the larger number in the religious revival of the eighteenth century, a smaller yet a more picked band, not quite a hundred years later when the Oxford movement gained its fullest force all this while then the drama has lain outside the track of english national life so completely outside that only within recent years has it occurred to anyone to suggest that some day it might possibly recapture the place it once held the suggestion once made however found ready welcome the subject of a national drama is now a stock subject for discussion wherever interests go a little beyond the material concerns of the moment It may be a mirage, a will of the wisp that we follow, but it does seem that, if ever we are to see the revival for which so many of us hope, the times are ripening towards it now. The emotional force of the religious revivals has spent itself. Formalism and eccentricity have damped down the fires of devotional fervor for a while it seemed as if the novel might take its place as a vehicle for the expression of ideas held in common by the nation at large thackeray and dickens between them covered the whole ground but neither was able to cover it alone and then even while we awaited the arrival of the man who could make a wider appeal the reading class for which novelists of intelligence wrote was swamped by the education act and the day when a book should be able to reveal the nation to itself was postponed for many a long year but the drama is not in the same case as the novel it makes a more direct call upon the emotions it does not demand for its comprehension the same training of the mind as would be required to grasp the same ideas conveyed in a book a fine play is like life itself some see in it meanings and suggestions that are hidden from others this man's delight in it is intellectual that man's purely sensuous you perhaps are content merely to watch and smile while your neighbour is busy with analysis and introspection but all have their interest aroused and find in it some kind of stimulus shakespeare makes some impression upon every one but makes it in wildly differing ways one man after a performance of macbeth will go home like de quincey and write a philosophical essay upon the knocking at the gate another will say with the north-country working-man of whom mr frank benson once told us that it has helped him to do a better week's work hamlet is the most popular drama in the world because every one can find in it something to engage his attention and to occupy his mind we can scarcely expect another shakespeare for myself i doubt as lowell doubted whether any language be rich enough to maintain more than one truly great poet and whether there be more than one period and that very short in the life of a language when such a phenomenon as a great poet is possible but surely we can have a national drama without another shakespeare other nations give expression to their national characteristics through dramatic art and yet the supply of great poets is not any more plentiful with them than it is amongst ourselves What do these other nations possess which we lack? They possess a class of writers for the stage who strive to awaken an intelligent interest in drama and to make it contribute to the general flow of ideas, who are not content simply to provide entertainments which shall distract after-dinner audiences and enrich theatrical managers. These writers, unlike ours, have sentiments in common with the audience they write for, they are moved by the same springs of passion and emotion they are interested in the same themes and in the same modes of expression they appeal to their audiences not by a process of calculation but because both they and playgoers are in virtue of their nationality imbued with the same feelings the same general aspirations and because they take in a broad sense the same view of life and of dramatic art Consider for a moment a few of the foreign plays with which English playgoers are most familiar. plaus aux Dames. Take France first. Monsieur Rostand's L'Aiglon is not to us a good acting play. The poetry that we find in Monsieur Rostand's noblest imaginings fails to get over the footlights. Read the Wagram scene, and you are struck by its power and beauty pity and terror cleans your soul it is mysterious haunting wonderful on the stage with a crowd of hoarse supers bawling behind the scene and with madame sarah bernard in incredibly tight uniform going off like an alarm clock every few moments the poetry the imagination the mysteries have evaporated What is left appeals not to the deeper emotions, but to the theatrical sense, to the fondness for resonant declamation, and striking contrast, in a word, to the traditional French hankering after all that savors of la gloire. That is why the piece carries a French audience irresistibly along with it, whereas it leaves us cold and dissatisfied. We English people love poetry, the French people love rhetoric and la gloire. We would have the poet suggest to us more than he could put into words to give us huge cloudy symbols of a high romance to leave something to our imagination. Inglesi son mati sul mistissimo, son miglia al nebbi de la, says the scoffing student in Rossetti's Hand and Soul. Whereas the French mind dislikes anything that is not logical, clearly expressed, well within the four corners of its comprehension. It agrees with Rossetti's other painter in the Pitti Palace. Je tins que quand on ne comprend pas un c'est ne signifie rien. Here then is one side of the French national character successfully appealed to by Laigle, as it has been appealed to in the past by Victor Hugo and Dumas Berre and Monsieur Coppet, and a host of others. Again, the average Frenchman's ideal of life is the ideal to use a phrase now classic of la homme moyen. moyenne see how faithfully the modern french play represents that la dame aux camilles represents it on the sentimental side sappho and la Parisienne, in which madame rejare exhibits the immense cleverness of her realist method reveal it upon its moralizing and its cynical sides la tosca is the kind of piece which gratifies the appetite for horrors and harlotry which la homme moyen moyenne must now and then indulge la course de flambeau catches him in a reflective mood the mood of the morning after when he feels doubtful about the welfare of the human race the main thing i want to insist upon is that you can trace in all of these plays and they are a fair selection from the modern french drama the existence of the ideal of the homme sensual moyen which is the ideal both of the playwright and of the spectators and which therefore gives the modern french drama the title to be called a national drama in the natural sense of the words you find when you examine the modern german drama that it can make good the same claim to this epithet national its ideals are quite different from the french ideals it sets itself for the most part to discuss heavily and without the smallest spice of humour the problems of our supercivilized existence It offers pictures of provincial and metropolitan life that are strangely real and externals and strangely exaggerated in essence. But this exaggeration is inevitable considering the methods employed. The characters are scarcely human beings, studied for their own sake, so much as abstract types of passion or peculiarly set up for the purpose of the dramatist's theme. Colonel Schwarz in Magda, for example, is an embodiment of the parental idea. Rocknitz and gluck im Winkel, merely sums up the german notion of a full-blooded madriful correr de femmes even in johannesfer the interest of the problem is rather universal than personal as it is with sudermann so it is with hauptmann as well perhaps even more some in die weber the characters are the playwright's puppets it is the atmosphere and the episodes that give the drama its marvellous power and intensity and some mention, has more individual interest but here too the people of the play are all carefully labelled this is in accordance with the german audience's view of life with the teutonic attitude of mind which prefers a studied philosophic generalization to the presentment of a particular human being the serious drama of germany in fact expresses the serious side of the national character just as the comic drama keeps touch with the german weakness for fun cut in thick slices and for elephantine gambols both varieties are unmistakably german as much in expression as in idea turn now to a drama that is based upon ideals very unlike those both of france and of germany to the drama of japan as we have had it interpreted for us by japanese players the exquisite sadayako mr kawakami and their troupe here is a form of art that proceeds directly from national character what do the japanese chiefly delight in in beauty of colour and form, from the simplest manifestations of natural loveliness to the strange exotic imaginings of an art based upon traditions of incalculable antiquity, and followed with a passion for perfection that is shown as clearly in trifles as in its most ambitious attempts. First of all, then, the Japanese drama satisfies this desire for beauty. The very scenery brings to us, Western folk, a sense of refreshment and satisfaction. The dresses are things of rare delight every one all the movements and gestures of the actors fall into rich harmonies of expression and an entire absence of self-consciousness lends them a charm like that of music or the ordered inevitable processes of nature and what of the matter of their plays they are rooted nearly all in that conception of duty which is so strong an element in the japanese character the duty which men and women owe to themselves to one another and to the eternal verities of justice and of truth in minor ways the drama of japan satisfies to the full the japanese sense of the mysterious the terrible the inevitable and it satisfies as well their childlike delight in combats and in playfulness these players have studied every means of heightening the effect of their efforts think of the intermittent striking of the gong throughout the intensely moving last act of the wife's sacrifice the wailing voice raised now and again in melancholy chant the stillness broken only by these ominous sounds and by the pathetic cheeping of the birds without symbolic of the heedlessness of nature to the little tragedies of human kind if this simple and unfamiliar art with its unsophisticated directness of method can produce so deep an effect upon us with our abnormally developed sense of the ridiculous, imagine how it must affect the people out of whose passion for beauty and out of whose simple ethical code it has been gradually developed. And now let us think of our own drama, and ask ourselves how far it expresses any aspect of our national character. We can claim to have evolved, during the past generation, two art forms which are distinctively English, the Savoy Opera and mr pinero's farces of character but then neither of these have made school both depend for the most part upon the humour of individual men they are not the inevitable outcome of a generally accepted view of life they are rather the creations of personal talent forcing a certain number of people to look at themselves and the world in distorting mirrors it is true that our peculiar humour makes us as a race derive a certain enjoyment from being shown our own absurdities by keen-witted satirists we have no objection because we feel all the while that even with our absurdities we are immeasurably superior to all nations else indeed the possession of a few absurdities which amongst our noble qualities pass almost unnoticed serves to point and emphasise our superiority exaggeration too seems to come natural to us on the stage so far then these two forms of drama are based upon national characteristics but so far only and no farther they are in matthew arnold's phrase at the bottom fantastic not so utterly untrue to our real selves as the sugar-plum play or as the many deodorized farces which we borrow from the french and spoil in borrowing but still fantastic in being removed from the main currents of the English spirit. A more serious drama is needed to reflect these, and that we lack. Mr. Pinero, as I have said, seemed to be striving towards it when he wrote The Hobby Horse and Lady Bountiful, and later on when he gave us The Second Mrs. Tanqueray and the Benefit of the Doubt. The pity of it is that he did not persevere, The two later plays of those just mentioned come now in the natural order of our survey to be considered, and I must try to show in what way they reflected, more than Mr. Pinero's other dramas, the spirit of the times as it affects the English race. End of section six. Recording by Campbell Shelp.